We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fred Zinke sits in second place in the Yahoo Friends and Family League, yet he thinks he doesn't have a chance to win this league. What? Why? It's all about Alec Thomas. He'll explain that and why you might not want to bid much on George Kirby this week. That and more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Harrison here with Fred Zinke. Uh, it is a beautiful Tuesday out here in Southern California. Lots of good baseball. In fact, I don't see weather really as an issue anywhere right now, Fred. And that's a rarity after this past weekend where we had nine rainouts in two days. It's true. I don't, I don't, well, I'm sure in your neck of the woods, the weather's always great, but well, they're not always great, but mostly great. Yeah. But in my neck of the woods, this time of year is not always great, but right now we are getting amazing weather and that seems to be going all the way down the, the East coast. Yeah, it is. And, uh, it is one of those, uh, where, you know, it, this past weekend was really rough. A lot of makeups because of that Sunday, I think we had about 17 games, 18, 17 games, I think. Uh, and, it's it, it makes it difficult to sometimes get everything tracking there. But uh, you know what? Today was fun. Uh, we had 16 games on the schedule, one doubleheader. Uh, makeup of a previous ran out, Oakland and Detroit. You know, be still my beating heart. But it is baseball, day baseball. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, but let's lead off with uh, what I title this. This is your pessimism, uh, which I, I'm a little I'm a little perplexed by. So why don't you explain it to me? About the Yahoo Friends and Family League. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. I can be pessimistic about more than one topic, but sure. that one. So it's not, I don't know if it's pessimistic. <laughs> Maybe it's, I would say it's realism. So mm. every year in the Yahoo Friends and Family League, I feel like I finish, I don't know, third or fourth or something like that. I always draft a good team. And then I, I can't do it. I can't do these leagues where everyone's a free agent all the time. And it's a race to the waiver wire and pick them up. I never get anyone like last year. I remember I am, I added a manual class a, I think right before the season started as a speculative ad. That was the, probably the only good free agent I added all season. And this year it's been mostly more of the same. I don't stay up late. I live on the East coast. I never get the next in line closer after a blown save or the next in line player after an injury. And um, when I am lucky enough to be awake, for one of these transactions, I always forget. 
I forget to go to the waiver wire and grab the player. And I'll give you a perfect example. I was, it was maybe 1130 in the morning here on Sunday. I saw that the Diamondbacks were calling up Alec Thomas. Mm-hmm. I processed that. I recognized that he would not be available in the NFBC leagues that day. So I dismissed any thoughts about how much I would bid on him. Then I sat down and I wrote 500 words on Alec Thomas for the Yahoo closing time article that would come out the next morning. And after doing that, I thought maybe I should pick him up in the Yahoo friends and family league. And of course, while I was writing 500 words and looking up all his stats and everything else, someone else went in and picked him up and I missed him by like 15 minutes. If I had just gone to the waiver wire first, I would have got him, but it never, it never crosses my mind. I always think on these transactions, my first thought is always, you know, should I write this up? Like, is it, is it relevant to a podcast? Something like that. I never think of picking the player up and I miss the player every single time i miss george kirby same thing i miss them i miss them all my second place team will eventually fade a little bit it's not a bad team but it will fade a little bit because i won't be able to build the depth and it's my own fault yeah well you're just too responsible you know you're more altruistic uh than and rather than being selfish you know you you know we there are Rumors used to be that uh, Herb Ilk, one of the Rotowire founders, would hold off on writing a Brewers update until he picked up a player sometimes. <laughs> but uh, that's just a rumor. It's not necessarily true. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I was just going to I was going to jibe you a little bit and say, hey, you, you know, old man, you need to stay up past 830 Eastern, you know, uh, and maybe see a safe <laughs> situation or two every once in a while. But uh, it sounds like it's more than just that for you. I'm also good. I'm also, I, I say good at, I don't know if this is like a lot of people, like some people, I try to put my phone away at a certain point in the evening mm-hmm. and, you know, actually, you know, socialize with my spouse and things like that. And, um, so Overrated. I, so, yeah. So yeah. if I'm, Sorry, watching Kim, the, I'm just joking. Just joking. <laughs> so if I'm watching the Blue Jays game, you know, at nine 30, 10, 10 30, whatever, as it's getting near the end, I may not be going through all the other box scores. I may just wait and go through all those in the morning, which doesn't work for Yahoo friends and family. But I think the takeaway here is maybe for everyone is to know what now I, I will always go in Yahoo friends and family because I have lots of friends in the friends and family and um, I'll keep taking my best swing at it, but to know which types of leagues are the best ones for you and ones that, uh, where everybody's constant. If it, if it ever turned into a daily fab league or something like that, I think I would do much better. I think just a 24 seven waiver wire just is not something that I, that I never seem to get any fruit from it. You know, the funny thing is it's different strokes for different folks. Some people hate fab and the amount of time it takes to do it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, tout wars. And I, I know Greg has also seen this request in the NFBC is to have a daily moves contest. Uh, first come, first serve, first serve contest. I think, uh, I, I, if I recall correctly, a friend of the podcast, Yancey Eaton, likes to play in the Daily Moves Leagues or is advocating for. Uh, I think in an overall contest, it's. I think you would have to specify this is a Daily Moves League contest mm-hmm. before, before you sign up. I wouldn't make it part of the main event uh, just because you're dealing with people coming from different backgrounds, different time frames, time zones even. Uh, that I think that might be a little bit more of a handicap, but I like playing. I have two leagues with daily moves, but only one with first come first serve pickups. That's Yahoo friendly friends and family league. The other one's an auto new league where we have like a three day mini fab at any point in time. You can put, you can start the bidding a silent auction for any player at any time. Okay. Uh, And you do, you set your lineups on a daily basis. 
Uh, but it, you know, don't do first come first serve on the free agents. I'll just say, even setting lineups on a daily basis can be challenging if you're very if mm-hmm. if you're busy on the weekends. Like uh, Saturdays are tough for me. You know, traditionally they've been tough for me because AYSO, all your Saturdays are occupied. Uh, and also, I try to play tennis on Saturday mornings. That's that's a me issue. But also, just being involved with you know doing stuff with the family and all that. I don't always remember or alternatively aren't always available to check to see if a guy's not playing. Plus there's different start times when you have 10 AM start times, you know, that really makes it difficult there to make sure you're staying on top of it there. Or if you have like the Saturday rain out or anything like that, you know, kind of, and then you get your player locked in that position. Like, ah, that's frustrating. Oh yeah. The idea of moving the hitters in and out of my lineup when, you know, in reflection of actual lineups and Yahoo friends and family, that's, that's way out the window for me. If I yeah. can keep my pitchers rotated and get every pitcher in, I missed a Nestor Cortez start. I know about maybe two to three starts to go for him. And, and I missed, and I missed, he's been doing great. I missed, but be thankful one. that you have Nestor Cortez. Fred. <laughs> that's good. If, if I can get all the starts except for one, but, and I know in Yahoo, you can set your lineup several days ahead. So that's yes, good. start active players. I use that. Yes. Yes. So I, anyways, but there are times when I've just, yeah, where I miss a start. I try to do, I try to do a good job with that, with getting all, at least all my pitchers in, but I'll never max out my hitting games played because I just can't get on my phone. Like probably can't get on my phone like every day around five or five thirty PM here to see lineups and, and, you know, switch in and out players. So, but whatever, that's sure. okay. That league is for fun and it is fun. And it's a good group of guys, and I'm not losing thousands of dollars on it or anything like that. And maybe some year I'll draft such a good team that even with modest free agent additions, they'll be able to win. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the merits of Alec Thomas while we're at it here. So you wrote him up. Uh, disclosure, I didn't read it yet. Uh, I apologize Fine. for that. Uh, what did you have to say about Alec Thomas? I said pick. Now this was a, now this was a little directed at managers in Yahoo leagues where the benches are small. Um, I said, pick him up in 12s. I said, leave him in 10s and see, you know, where he is in the lineup, how much he's playing, how he's hitting. Um, Well, I don't even know if he's going to be a 12 team factor for sure. But part of my reasoning is that in the Yahoo leagues, because it's only the default setting, I believe is a three man bench. um, The waiver wire is pretty good. Like you can go back to the guy you drop, like you can go back to the waiver wire and get someone pretty, pretty good in a lot of the leagues. So, um, you know, it's just taking your shot. You take your shot at Alec Thomas for two weeks, see what happens. If he's not helpful, drop him. And there, there are going to be lots of everyday players on the waiver wire. If you just want to drop him and go with, with someone who's maybe more reliable or a vet, more of a veteran type player, or just the next hot prospect in like, in an NFBC league, obviously he's going to get picked up in all the 12s on Sunday. Um, but I might be less aggressive towards him because the waiver wire is not as fruitful. So the player you drop, it would it'd be a little more team dependent. Yeah. Batting eight tonight. Um, don't like that. And especially in an Arizona lineup that is not exactly a potent lineup, slightly better lately. Really still still awful. You know, he is going to, they are going against a lefty and Jesus Lazardo tonight, and they're pretty awful against lefties. And Alec Thomas does bat left-handed. So that might explain a little bit of what his batting order position, but it's interesting. I'm actually using Jesus Lazardo and DFS tonight. So sorry guys, if you're a Lazardo uh, manager, because I, I did that to you, but Arizona is doubly is, is worse at home and worse against lefties. So I figured that combo 
With Lazardo being a strikeout guy, I thought that was a pretty good combination tonight. So we'll see. Probably go two thirds of an inning or something. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, gets a super blister or something like that. Um, not just a regular blister. Yeah, gets the Rich Hill super blister. blister. I think. I yeah. think with Thomas, him batting eighth tonight makes sense. I, I assumed he would bat low in the lineup for the first week, and then it'll depend how he's doing. I mean, let's be honest. Arizona's still hitting under 200 as a team. So mm-hmm. if he's hitting 320 in a week, there are lots of spots, lots of opportunities for him to hit higher in the lineup, and he can run. So there's lots of opportunities. But he, I think I figured he's not at the level of prospect, I think, where you just bring him up and bat him in the top five. So I figured he'd start low. He's going to have to earn his shot. And I think the Carson Kelly oblique strain, I think is only a grade one. So I feel like Thomas gets three weeks or something to prove himself. If he doesn't yeah. prove himself, he's back in the minors. Dalton Varsho is back out in center field. If he does prove himself, you know, maybe he can stick around and there's lots of ways they can manipulate that lineup again. Sure. There's so many players who aren't hitting very well. I mean, there are one, two hitters tonight are Cooper Hummel and Jordan Luplow uh, batting, yeah. uh, playing. Jordan Luplow hits right lefties really well. Yeah, he so, does. He so does. He, he at least he alleged, has in the past. He there was the one past. year he was the auto play against lefty starters yeah. in DFS. I remember that. Yeah. Um, Nonetheless, that doesn't strike me as a high bar to clear in terms of having nope. a long-term spot in the lineup, especially a prospect of Thomas's ilk. Um, you would think that that might be uh, something that they'll look at, look forward to in the future there to see uh, if they, they find another way to get that get that all work, worked out there. I would probably put uh, I, I'd probably you know put Varsho in one of the corner outfield spots instead of center mm-hmm. once Kelly came back. Now Carson Kelly was not hitting at all before his injury who's to say that he's not a full-time catcher either when he comes back. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I think, I think it's almost like Thomas versus himself over uh-huh. the three, roughly three weeks that Kelly's out. If Thomas, when Kelly comes back, if Thomas is hitting 200, they probably send him back down. Maybe not, but they probably send him back down. If he's doing fine, there's so many ways they can play it. They could play Kelly last and play Varsho more behind the plate. As you said, they sure. could play Varsho in a corner and they could use the Seth Beer's been DHing. He hasn't been good. They can nope. just start rotating guys like David Peralta through DH, Pavin Smith, guys like that. Um, the Diamondbacks rotation has been surprisingly good so far this season. So that might reflect positively on Kelly. We've seen lots of managers who might say, you know, Kelly, Kelly was handling the pitching staff well, and that, you know, they'll take whatever he's hitting if, if they, if he can keep that up when he comes back. Sure. I can see that too. Uh, there, we've seen a lot of young prospects struggle badly um, and wouldn't be surprised if some get sent down. Like even second year player, Jared Kelnick, we've talked about this a lot is he he's a risk to get sent down. Uh, we've seen some other guys get sent down already. So We'll watch and see on that one there to see what happens with Thomas. So did you, speaking of these other younger prospects, were you in on, you know, Royce Lewis or in on uh, Jose Miranda or any of the other uh, prospects that got called up in the last week? So mostly none of the above um, in our labor league. I put in, I think I finished second. Uh, I don't actually don't No, I don't. I don't think I finished in the top couple for any of the prospects i didn't bid that heavily on the, them in the nfbc maybe i've missed the boat on some of them um interestingly in uh, a 12 team online championship that i have in the nfbc uh the week before nelson cruz had been dropped and robbie grossman had been dropped and manuel margot was on waivers and had did not have a, a short-term injury at the time now oh. If you could, if you could go and get Nelson Cruz or Robbie Grossman or Manuel Margot 
would you go get them in, ahead of all those prospects? Because that's what the direction I went in. Yeah, except Margot got hurt yesterday. Yeah, so. I didn't end up getting Margot. I got the other two. All right. I think he got hurt on Sunday. Did I get that right? Um, no, anyways, he, he's I think, hurt. I think it was Monday. Yeah. I think it, that's it. That's the worst. That's just yep. the worst. Uh, especially yep. after a huge weekend. That's right. He was massive yes. over the weekend against Seattle and then got hurt on Monday. Uh, bad break there. Now, in the case of Royce Lewis, I thought there was a risk that he was going to get sent down later this week because uh, of Carlos Correa supposedly wasn't broken. Now, Carlos Correa is on the IL after all. So, I mean, he might not be broken, but he's out longer, a little bit longer. So there's a buys a little extra time for Lewis at the very least. That's right. And I didn't, I don't even know if I put him into my big queue because I wasn't sure really about his playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, I did put decent bids on, on Juan Yapez. Uh, I didn't get him and I knew I wasn't going to get him. Like I knew he would go for triple digits. I put in double digit bids. I was, I was trying to think about this. I think maybe in our labor league, I might've finished second on him. My bid was maybe like seven. I think and, I, and I wasn't I had, close to the winning bid, but I might have been second. I think I had the second bid okay. on him. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna verify that, but uh, I, I was in on him. I just didn't get him in too many places, unfortunately. Uh, I got him. Oh, I didn't get him in my main. I didn't get in either main. I didn't get him in scarf where I was ten dollars off. That was where I bid the most. I bid one thirty one out of a thousand. He went for one forty one, and. And oh no, I got outbid. Oh yeah, I had thirteen. But I, I had the thirteen dollar bid on Yepes. He went for nineteen, so I was the second place bid. I did get Josh Winder, uh, who yep. uh, yeah, might looks well. like he's going to start a little longer. And I hope it's not just one start because that'd be an expensive seven dollar start. But uh, we'll see. I actually haven't spent a whole lot of money in that league yet. Uh, we we talked a little bit about that. I've still got seventy eight bucks left in that league, so I should be you know, competitive for a while there. You, you've actually spent more. We, we talked about this. Taylor Ward was your big win. Stephen Kwan was another big bid. Uh, Ward's not in the lineup today. I'm not sure why. Uh, He's got a nagging hamstring injury. He missed yesterday as well. Okay. So that's something to watch for to see. But they said he's available to pinch hit. I did see a note on that. I just didn't see why. Uh, but, you know, Alec Thomas went for 21 bucks in our, our league there. Um, and Vidal Brujan got dropped. So that's going to be worth noting because Vidal Brujan just got called up today. Yes, and I think he'll – well, we'll see. I don't know. I, I worry that he'll go back and forth a lot this season, so I don't know if I'll be a big bidder on him. But if he yeah. were to have some productive games this week, he could be someone who people bid on a lot. I mean, we talked last week, and these rookies prospects kind of walked into this. Um, just like everyone's – almost everyone's fantasy teams have some hitting spots that are seriously underperforming and are sure. black holes right now. So whether it's Miranda, whether it's Yepes, whether it's Lewis um, – like you could like these prospects that are coming up as far as hitters go, like everybody has room for them in their lineup. If you believe they're going to stay up and they're going to hit, I just right. am not totally sold on these guys. I'm sold on Yepes staying up. I think yeah. that's the one I'm most okay. sold on. Yeah. Uh, Thomas. I'm kind I'm mostly sold on him. Okay. Um, I just, the, the, I mean, he, he could, you know, he could get off to a terrible start. Uh, that's the only thing. I mean, that, that's the only thing that, uh, you know, I, I think if he gets off to a credible enough start, he stays up. But then again, I mean, how many guys have we seen falling flat? We talked about the the Rays. Josh Lowe got struggled a lot, yes. got sent down, and he's he's struggling now in AAA too. He's striking out a lot, so he might and not he come was back a for a while. Very very expensive Fab prize early in the season for a lot of people. Two hundred yes, something. I for I think even some bids in the three hundred. So yeah, um, putting too many of your eggs into one prospect, yeah, can be really risky. Um, 
yeah, maybe I should have gone a little harder after some of these guys, especially maybe in my 15 team leagues. And yeah, just... but you got Taylor Ward. I mean, you you did call that one right, and that that's like the best pickup of the year so far. Yeah, so far. I mean, it's pretty early. Like we'll see mm-hmm. where it goes. I'm pretty confident that he'll stay in the lineup. So I think he'll end up being a good pickup, even though he's like he's obviously going to cool off a yeah. lot. But um, if he could just be a 750 OPS guy from this point forward, 770 OPS guy from this point forward who steals the odd base, that would be that would be awesome for someone who didn't end up costing 300. I think you know he I spent more seven or 70 or 80 in the NFBC leagues for him. Um, yeah, but the, these hitting prospects, we have to take a good look at them. Uh, because just because we need so much help on the hitting side right now that right. if, if your Pez stays up all season, again, if he can stay up all season and be a, a 770 OPS guy that he's going to be in, in a 15 team league, he's going to stay in your lineup pretty much every week. Yeah, he will. He yeah. will. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about just the general market and why you it might not make sense to spend a whole lot on George Kirby and free agency. But before we do that, let me share a quick note from our Blue Wire Podcast Network sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And if you're listening live, that was a very quick note, and we thank you for doing that. Feel free to chime in in the comments. You got any questions for us, especially about some of these prospects that are getting in the call? Uh, we want to talk about them the most. Uh, one guy that, uh, well, I'll, I'll, before we get to George Kirby, I wanted to talk about Jaron Duran because he got called up one game when uh, you know Enrique Hernandez was out with COVID and then was reinstated the next day, and then got Duran got sent back down. But if you look at what Duran is doing right now at, at AAA, he, he's raking right now. 
And the Red Sox are not raking as a team right now. So he and Tristan Cassis supposedly have things to work on, but they, they're both going to get the call relatively soon, I think. Yep, and this could be an opportunity, right? In some formats, just that one game might be enough that now you can pick him up and now you can stash him. So, yeah, you're right. He's playing. Well, he's doing great in the minors. I haven't seen him play, but he's doing great in the minors just on a statistical side. It's OPS over 1,000. Um, and the Red Sox do need a spark. So I, I think there is the possibility that at some point they make an overhaul. Maybe not quite yet, but if they don't pick it up during May, that at some point, even if no one's hurt, that if that someone like Duran gets a chance to come up and play regularly, and then you know we'll see what he can do in the majors. So far, his results in the majors haven't been good. They haven't been like totally atrocious. They've been they've been not very good. No, they haven't been. Yeah. And um, when he when he got an opportunity last year. Yeah, yeah that that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, but you know, they're, they're, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not a huge Duran fan, but uh, mm-hmm. Duran Duran I like. But he can but steal bases. Duran. Yeah, he can. Uh, that's when the young guys they they have in Julio Rodriguez has ten already. I mean, what you know? If you the funny thing is you had you didn't get what you thought you were paying for when you reached for Julio Rodriguez. Um, and you but those ten stolen bases. I mean, that just puts you in such a good position to get off to such a good start in that category. Oh, absolutely. I think I my labor team might not have ten stolen bases as a team. So Julio Rodriguez is making a huge huge difference, and hopefully the bat comes you know continues to come around and and he can hit better because if he can, he's going to, he's going to make a huge impact. Like if he could steal something in the thirties for bases this year, even 40, like he's going to be in rotor leagues. He's going to be a monster. You and have he, nine stolen bases, by the way. There you go. Um, I knew, so you, I, I knew I, the other day, you are I last in bags. What happened there? Is that design or what happened? Talk, let's start by talking to Whit Merrifield about that. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So Ooh, what do you yeah, do? Te- I, I, I expected Teoscar Hernandez to chip in the odds deal. He's been out for a while. True. Um, yeah. Whit Merrifield's been the biggest problem. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so what are you gonna do going forward uh with Whit Merrifield? Oh I don't know. I'm starting to get I'm starting to get to the decision. Like I, I don't want to drop him anywhere, but he's been so bad. Um yeah. but then when you go and look at his fan graphs page, like <sighs> Everything's the same as last year. The exit velocity is the same as last year. The barrel rate's the same as last year. The strikeout rate's the same as last year. The XBA is the same as last year, except the results are so, so, so much worse. So I keep leaving him in my lineup thinking any week could be the week where he starts to get going again, but it hasn't happened. And you just know that the, the I just feel like the week I give up and put him on my bench will be the week that he at least hits like 260 and steals two bases. 10, 135. He has three bags, scored four. That's four runs so far. He's batting eight tonight. He's the lowest OPS of any qualified player, like the lowest. And he was a third round pick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been awful. And again, like when you look at it, when I look at his fan graphs page, like there's not an obvious where his strikeout rates up like 10% or where he just, his average exit velocity is down five miles an hour. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that I see that screams, and there's and there's nothing stat casties either because they're giving him the same XBA roughly as last year. So yeah, I don't know well, the thing is, his stat cast numbers weren't great though last year either. No, they're not. No. they're not down, but they weren't up either before. So no. yeah, no. But I would take I would take what they're what they're suggesting just with some steals. If he was just doing what stat cast says 
that he should have been doing. Like, so right now his, I just pulled it up now, his XBA this year is 247. Last year was 263. So that's like in a small sample size, that's not a big difference. He wasn't barreling right. balls last year. He's not really barreling them this year, three, three and a bit percent. The average exit velocity both years was close to 87% or sorry, 87 miles an hour. His strikeout rate this year is actually a little better than last year. Walk rate's the same. It just, I just feel like he's going to turn things around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's concerning that he's lost. It's gone on long enough that he's lost his good lineup spot. Yeah. He's going to have to get it on back. a bad team to begin with on the Royals too. That's, yeah, the, so- that's the really scary thing is, is a lot of hitters are struggling on the Royals, not just Merrifield. That's uh, and you know, this is with Carlos Santana hurt. Uh, this is this has just been a bad lineup all the way around Absolutely. so far. I guess they, that does mean that a couple three hit games, a couple even two hit games from Merrifield, maybe they put him back up. Yeah, I mean, you you look at some of the other guys. Sal Perez has five homers, but he's hitting two oh four. Uh, that you know, three walks, thirty strikeouts. Really, that's not that surprising. You know, for all the platitudes about Sal Perez, he had twenty eight walks versus one hundred seventy strikeouts last year. Better fantasy player than real life player. Um, yeah, I think we had just come to accept that he was or overlooked that like we do mm-hmm. with Javi Baez every year, like we did with Rugnet Odor for a while before the bottom fell out on him that, yep. that he was going to be able to have this awful strikeout to walk rate. Yeah, I, the Royals lineup. Yeah, just looking at their OPS is like Bobby Witt's under 600. Yeah. Yeah, Perez is 649. Um, yeah, Benintendi is one of the only ones who's been doing well. And when I dove in on Ben and Tendy, he's one of the luckiest players in baseball. So far. Right. Yeah. Far even that's and everything else. He's hitting for average, but not much power. He has four extra base yeah. hits. So, okay. And no stolen bases. So really, what are you getting there? You're yeah. getting average, which is fine. But uh, yeah. Hunter Dozier is your cleanup hitter right now. Emmanuel Rivera, who just got called up, but it doesn't have any prospect pedigree is batting fifth tonight and playing third. Uh, MJ Melendez is, uh, is up he's actually you know he's catching uh originally he was going to be in right field and then they decided he's going to catch instead i'd rather him be in right field to be honest uh but they put merrifield back in the outfield maybe that'll help him maybe they'll kickstart him a little bit nikki lopez is batting ninth again it's just bad all around no yeah. okay we haven't that's enough time spent on the, yeah. the royals there you know <laughs> you know this is supposed to be a happy safe podcast place so let, let's move on from that a little bit there and i teased it earlier and then i didn't go to it so let's go to it now uh in this in light of this offensive environment you said maybe it doesn't make sense to go break your bank in fab for uh, george kirby yeah I, I think it's at least worth thinking about now i do think that there's there are teams in every league who should go out hard after George Kirby. And I like George Kirby. Like that comment isn't a shot at him at all saying that you shouldn't break your bank for him. Um, but I'm taking all... it as a shot. I'm totally taking it personally. All <laughs> Georges all... should too. But, but we all know that, um, that we all know that fantasy value is how much better you can be than replacement level players. Right. So with the replacement level pitcher, I think I put in the, in our notes, you know, in an environment where, Jose Quintana is a useful starter. Um, like how much do you really need to bid on George Kirby? Well, there are teams right. out there, especially in 15 team leagues who will probably, who are near the bottom in pitching and may need to try to spend for a difference maker. But there are probably a lot of fantasy teams where you look at your, your team ERA and your team whip and your staff and you think, well, George Kirby would help, but is it worth spending 
20, 25% of my fab budget on a pitcher when I have all these hitters who aren't performing and are underperforming. And I've got guys like Andrew Benintendi with one homer and zero steals and guys like Bobby Witt in my lineup. Like, like, should I be spreading out my fab among hitters or waiting to get a big hitter when he comes up? I don't know who that'll exactly will be, but you know what I mean? Like, or wait for a hitter to get dropped like Nelson Cruz in one of my leagues last week. So I just, I think some people should bid on Kirby, but there are probably some, if this was 2019, I would say go all in on Kirby, even last year, maybe, but this year, I don't know. Especially in the 12 team leagues. Like, I don't know if you need him. he'll help, but I don't know if he's the best use of your resources. Well, this, this rubs both ways though, too. I mean, if pitching is plentiful, you're, where, where you're going to be, where you need to be is also changed too. Your targets have changed. Yep. Yeah. Uh, your ratios, your Ks, uh, you know, especially the ratios. The Ks actually, believe it or not, are not up this year, at least in terms of ma- on a major league basis. I don't know about on a uh, yes, category basis. They might be up still there. Uh, we might optimize better. I don't know yet. Uh, but, you know, that that'll, A, that can change. But B, it's also a reflection now that there's a universal DH, no pitchers batting. So, of course, strikeouts should be down a little bit, too. But uh, the argument being, though, is, you know, a 3-6 might have been just fine. Now you need a 3-4 to get that same target. Or now you need a 3-2. Or now, you know, yeah, man, I'm killing it. I've got a 295 ERA. Okay, you're sixth in ERA. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. So then, but then the thing is, if if you think that Kirby's going to get you a 295 ERA, he's not even going to move your pitching staff's ERA. He's going to solidify it, but he's not even yeah. going to improve it. Whereas two years ago, if you thought he was going to get you a 295 ERA, you'd say, oh, well, he'll make a huge impact on my team, my t- overall team ERA. So that was kind of my thinking is, you know, if your team's rolling along with a, a three flat ERA and a 1.12 whip, like Kirby's going to have to be really, really good to really move the needle for you. I mean, he can move the needle in strikeouts, but he's yeah. going to have to be really good to move your ratios. And and again, it's team dependent. It's how many starters you have. But we've talked a lot about how you can go to the waiver wire right now and grab these Jose Quintana types. I grabbed him in one of my leagues and narrowly missed in another league, Tyler Wells from the Baltimore for this week, who I don't even think is that good of a pitcher, but he just had a pretty easy two-start week. Yeah, Casey um, in Detroit. That's his yeah, and the first matchup. Oakland in there. Yeah, the first one went well, and mm-hmm. we'll see how the second one goes. But when you can grab these pitchers who aren't very good and get respectable stats for these two-start weeks, again, it's just whether it makes sense to give up like 25% of your fab budget for a pitcher when there's pitchers out there, and there's tons of relievers who have been pitching amazing and getting vulture wins. and uh, Or should you be or should you be for the amount that you spend on Kirby? For the amount that you could spend on Kirby, you could have gra- grabbed, you know, Yepes, Miranda, you know, and Royce Lewis. And maybe you could grab all three of them and hope that one of them sticks and you get a good hitter, or maybe two of them stick. Right. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's the thought, man. I'm looking at our year. I still, ha- I somehow have a 360 ADRA in that league. Uh, and I'm, there's three worse than me, fortunately, but you know, that, that's what happens when your ACE isn't an ACE. And my, that can't, for me, that's Brandon Woodruff. Uh, oh, oh. yes. Another awful start yesterday. Uh, really bad on the road so far this year. What's your take on what's what's going on with Brandon Woodruff so far? Yeah, I'm a little puzzled by it. But so his walk rates up a bit. Um, his strikeout rate's still really good. 
Um, like he's just had bad luck. Like I guess he's just had a lot of bad luck. Like his mm-hmm. his BABIP's about almost a hundred points higher than last year in an offensive environment where everything's down. His BABIP's up a hundred points. So maybe Brandon Woodruff's a good buy low right now in trading leagues uh, because I don't see a lot of other big problems with him. So I'm going to assume this kind of gets straightened out. And he looked like he was fine. Like he was so bad on opening day. Well, his opening day, his first start of the season, he was so bad. And then he had two great starts and now it's been back to trouble and it's been easy opponents. Like he went Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and couldn't get a quality start against any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... But, but did get 24 strikeouts in those three starts to, to two to four, sorry, 24 strikeouts and four walks in those three starts. So I feel like it's just maybe some bad luck on strand rate, some bad luck on Babbitt and it's going to come around and that he's probably a bylaw right now, but he's been really frustrating and he's the kind of player who's totally killing you because well, Whit Merrifield's definitely killing my team. Uh, everybody has people like Whit Merrifield, the Woodruff and that ERA around six. That's a real killer. When, when, like you said, you need a team ERA around three. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and w- and there's, there's a couple other killers out there. Trevor Rogers being yeah. one of them. Uh, got this as a question from the, the old Kanye. Trevor Rogers got dropped in my league. Should I drop Sandoval, Javier, or Flexen, or Alex Wood for him? I dropped Flexen so fast yeah. to pick up Trevor Rogers before any, anybody changes their mind. Grab, if it's first come, first serve, you know, if you have to log off this podcast and make that pickup to do that, I understand. Do it. Go get, you know, I don't even know if Rogers is going to work out, but just out of principle, that's the sort of moves you should be making, especially already struggling in ratios. Got to take some chances, break some eggs. Totally agree. Um, Javier, I'm concerned that he's not, in the, he, his last start, or sorry, his last appearance was not in the rotation. Yeah. So where he's back out of the rotation, but he's, I like Javier so much. He's such a good pitcher that I would try to hold him and see if a rotation spot opens up soon. And I just, enjoy getting like whenever he comes in you're you're typically getting about three relief innings of really effective pitching and so and he's sometimes he gets a win so i would hang on to him yep yep i i 100 agree I, I i like javier uh but you know unfortunately Flex, for him odorizzi has been pitching very well lately yeah. so that's why if they go five-man rotation for a while he's the odd man out but mm-hmm. i think that's a temporary thing whereas sandoval and wood you know they're locked in rotations and and are actually good Whereas Flexen, I think he's just okay. Uh, I think he's got it. I actually have him in some places, but and it's easy for me to say that after he got torched last night by the Phillies, mm-hmm. but he doesn't strike out guys uh, to the same level. So Rogers hasn't been striking out guys this year, and that is concerning, but he's capable of doing it, and that's enough for me. Well, yeah, and I, and I think Flexen's mostly a, uh, you know, a bench streamer type pitcher anyways. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to if I'm gonna have him on my roster – I'll take Rogers. Rogers is a mess, but I'll put him on my bench. And yeah. Just see, and I'll just like I, won't, I don't have to use him right away. And, and you're right. And everything about Rogers has been really bad. Strikeout rates bad. Walk rates bad. You know, I would not really want to put. I know last his last appearance was five shutout innings. I'm probably not totally ready to use him yet. I don't know. I guess I'd have to look at his next matchup. But whatever, put him on your bench for a start or two and see what you have in him. You can always yeah. ship him back to waivers for someone else who's just like Chris Flexen. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I go for the upside there. I want to watch, you know, the thing with Trevor Rogers that I want to watch is velocity. Um, you know, see if any of that comes back. He starts getting some swing and miss a little bit more. I mean, he really 
I mean, he went from 14 and a half swing and a miss, 14 and a half percent swing and miss to 9.7 this year, but his velocity is actually the same. So to me, I think that's like, okay, there, there, and he, that means he's not getting the swing and miss on his breaking stuff. And I think I even saw a note on that, uh, that his changeup wasn't getting the same results as it was before. To me, that's like, he, it's almost a certain sign that he's tipping pitches. Um, that there's something going on there that, or he's throwing it somewhat differently. Point being is it's fixable. Uh, yeah. It's not like he's got a dead arm or anything like that. So I think good, better times are coming for him. Uh, they just have to figure that out. Yeah, I, I agree. And and this is, yeah, this is what bench spots are for. It's for these high upside guys. And when, like yeah. when we are talking about Merrifield, like I, I'm not dropping him. I might bench him in, in some leagues if he doesn't mm-hmm. come around, but I'm not dropping him because he's another high upside guy. And, and we saw last year that Rogers is a high upside guy too. If everything's right. clicking, he can be really valuable. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about that. So there you go. Um, some the Red Sox are actually playing well right now. They're up six nothing on the Braves. Uh, they got a, a big home run in this one here, a uh, grand slam, I believe. Uh, f- and I it was from you know I just need to refresh my memory on this one. I I, I think it was Devers that went went deep again, which okay. wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, you know, obviously Trevor Story's been a you know. A horrible story so far this year. We spent a little bit of time on that on uh, Sunday. Uh, I shouldn't say story, but he's had, he's been a horrible player so mm-hmm. far this year. Um, I don't think there's much. I think you're kind of stuck with him right now, though. I don't think they're, you're you're thinking about the drop zone with him. Uh, I'm sure there are leagues where he, people are thinking about that. Probably in Yahoo, probably in the ten teamers, you're probably thinking that. I just think that you can't win by dropping him. You just have to write it out. Yeah, I agree. I, he, again, he's like Merrifield and Rogers, where the upside of story is so high that you can bench him. And I don't mind benching him. I, I, I totally buy into that theory that like you have to keep in your lineup because you'll miss the breakout game. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to miss the breakout game because it might not come for two weeks or 10 days or something like that. And I might absorb too many 0 for 4s while I wait sure. for the breakout game. I, I can miss that. Um but so, uh, yeah, so I'm definitely not dropping him. I will give you someone from Boston who I'm is kind of on my radar to drop in a couple leagues, and that's Tanner Houck. I'm not sure what I want to do with him. He's not starting consistently now. He's not throwing a lot of innings. And the last two times out, he hasn't pitched very well. And I know yep. he's a really high upside arm, and I think he's a good pitcher, but he's not pitching well now. I'm not really sure what to do with him and if I can use him. And I, yeah, at least in 12 team leagues, I'm thinking about dropping him. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not there yet because they, they, they're, it was actually kind of an advantageous relief role. It was a tandem yeah. with Rich Hill, who yeah. often doesn't go with a full five innings. So that means you sneak in and get some wins. That's the theory, at least. I don't know. But uh, I, I would say that's something that I'm going to wait a little longer on because of the upside. But I get the frustration. He was a frustrating player to roster last year. I mean, he rode the shuttle between uh, AAA and the majors a little bit. And, you know, he had a less than defined role. So I get it. I just think that there's enough talent there that I'm willing to ride that one out. Yeah, I understand that. His FIPS 326, that's kind of what's keeping him on my radar right now. Like you said, piggybacking off Hill would be an advantageous role. Um, mm-hmm. Or just getting to start again. He, he had some five-inning starts earlier in the year. Um, his walk rate's high, his strikeout rate's down. Like he's, he's not, I don't know. He just hasn't pitched his best. I, I thought he was a decent breakout candidate for this year, but it certainly hasn't happened so far. 
By the way, don't you love it when a team reveals on a Tuesday that a player is dealing with a day-to-day injury, uh, as, as the case is the Dodgers with Will Smith? He's dealing with a right pictorial right. injury. That's why he's not starting today for the second game in a row. Got to love that. And since he's a catcher, you probably don't have any other catchers. So of course not. With him for the week. So you can't even get him out on Friday if he, if he was still dealing with his injury. Actually, it's funny you say that. I actually do have one league uh, where okay. I picked up MJ Melendez, and I've got Will Smith and Ryan Jeffers. I just thought Melendez has enough talent to add. So I guess, hey, hey, very prepared. Good job, Jeff. No, I don't recommend carrying three catchers. I was going to say, knowing you, you probably have him in some – you really liked him. You probably have him in some 50-man roster draft and holds. So at least maybe you can get him out by Friday in those. Yeah, yeah. I do have a lot of Will Smith. So that's something I'll be watching for there. Maybe – they're optimistic he might come back tomorrow, though. So we'll see with Will Smith as he plays. But Austin Barnes is not a backup bad backup to have, uh, and he's been fine so far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're seeing a little bit of that. Another guy that's sitting out second day in three games is Randall Gritchick on the uh, Rockies. Didn't see an injury note on him so far, but he is slumping over his last 12 with eight K's. He's sitting out for the second. He played yesterday though, but he said he's sitting out for the second time in three games. So little, little disturbing there. Hopefully by the time they get back to Colorado this weekend to face uh, the Royals, he's back in there, but don't like seeing it either. Yeah, I, I've ridden the as a Blue Jays fan. I kind of rode the Randall Gritchick roller coaster for three seasons, where like mm-hmm. he gets he gets hot and then he gets cold, and he gets hot and he gets cold. And you know what? By the end of the season, the numbers are usually about the same. So yeah. I think you just have to either decide. I mean, with the Rockies, you, you could play him at home more than on the road. But in the end, you just kind of have to decide if you're in for that roller coaster or not. So like a good example on Gritchick is uh, his OPS this season is better than his career OPS. So it's yeah. better than his OPS last year. It's better than his OPS in two out of three seasons with Toronto. So I, I kind of went through this with him with when he was a member of the Blue Jays, where he'd have these great stretches and then these awful stretches. You could try to get him out, I guess, during the awful stretches and hope you time getting him back in for the good ones. But I, I mean, I guess there's a concern that he could lose playing time on the Rockies, although I don't know. They got him for a specific reason. They said to add power. That's why they traded Tapia for him to add power to that lineup. And yeah. he can still do that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, talking about some guys we are cutting bait on, two guys that you did uh, are Trent Grisham and Jonathan Scope. Uh, Scope homer today uh, in, in the doubleheader against the uh, A's. I'm not saying that to be gratuitous, just that no. I have them in a place, so I was watching him. But what's your take on both of those guys? I want to hear you more on, on Grisham than Scope, for that matter. Okay, well, I, bri- I could mention briefly with Scope just that I kept okay. him in my fifteen. I got rid of him in my 12 because I feel like in a 15, just his playing time is valuable. Yeah. Uh, If if he comes around Um, in a 12, I feel like he's closer to the dividing line anyways. So Mm -hmm. I decided to not even bother, maybe not bother trying to deal with this possible cold streak because you can stream guys more in a 12. Grisham is, I don't know, like he, he, his bab is way down. So obviously he's been really unlucky this season. Um, There is a nice power speed combo there. I worry that he's a platoon bat who can't hit lefties. So that kind of caps his ceiling. That was part of the thinking. The drop was in a 12. I know he was better. Last year, he was better against lefties and righties, but that's not always the norm for him. Um, in a in a 12-team league, I just wasn't really willing to uh, to ride that roller coaster right now. I don't know. May, maybe I should have waited another week. I'm not sure. That was, again, that's the same league where I grabbed Nelson Cruz and Robbie Grossman. So two hitters who I liked who were surprisingly on waivers and it was like someone had to go and, and yeah. scope and Grisham were the guys 
who who left and maybe i'll regret grisham because there is an interesting power speed combo there but i don't know i i was worried about him a little bit going into the season and so maybe this is just kind of i already had one foot off you know yeah i'm looking at grisham's line right now and first of all he's not in the lineup today against the lefty uh, against wade miley it's jose asokar instead but uh no stolen bases so far yeah hitting 149 I yeah I know there's so many guys uh, on the interstate right now that I get it why you don't want to uh, you know why you, you want to be patient but it's May now and it's not like San Diego is dealing with all the terrible cold weather either. No, yeah, you're right, and I think so. Grisham also second half of last season with no injuries hit 211 with a 629 OPS. So he he's been hitting poorly for a while going back to yeah. the middle of last season. Uh, he started out fine last season and then slowed down you know in the second half a lot he started out well actually and then slowed down in the second half a lot just five homers in the second half of last year so this has been going on for a while as i said i was tentative when i drafted him the power speed mix when you were doing projections it does add up to a pretty good player like if you if you give him you know 15 homers and a dozen steals all of a sudden he becomes pretty valuable, but I was worried and uh, I should take back some of my platoon comments. Actually, as I looked up his splits, they're not as severe as I thought. I don't think maybe the platoon concerns are as much as I, uh, as well, I thought that's only be. because he's not as good against righties as you'd like him to be though. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's, that's not true. really an argument in his favor. Um, he's, you know, he doesn't, you know, he's got, he's, one might argue he's been unlucky. That he's hitting 206 and uh, his BABIP is 206, but his ISO is 0.89, and his contact is just his contact isn't great. His average exit velocity is 84.7. That's awful. Barrel. Yes. He's had two barrels so far this year. Uh, and if you're not running, what are we doing here? I mean, zero stolen bases. So answer Gabe in a ten teamer. I think yeah, I think he is a drop. Man, that depresses the heck out of me. Uh, I do have some exposure to Grisham, and now I'm going to have to make some hard choices. Even in a fifteen, I'm going to be thinking about it now. Or at least benching uh, until yeah. and unless and until I, I now as always we know what he's doing these stat cast numbers are great about okay he he is making bad contact we don't know why he's making bad contact that's yeah. the one thing is he hiding an injury is he uh, has the league adjusted is he you know dealing with an eye issue you never know uh, but it, it's something I'm gonna watch for but yeah at the very least I think he's a bench pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. And I think I agree with you to answer that question. I think in a 10 team league, he's an easy drop. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's, uh, you know, just looking at his stat cast data, it, you're right. It's the opposite of everything I said about Whit Merrifield, where I said about Merrifield, his stat cast data kind of makes him look like the same player as last year. Grisham's doesn't. Like the barrel rates, like you said, the ag- average exit velocity is way down. The barrel rates way down. His XBA is one, this year is 199. So stat cast is suggesting that, even if, even with better luck or the luck he deserves, he still just has deserved so far. He right. wouldn't have been a, a useful fantasy player. So all that went into the decision. Uh, we'll see if I end up regretting it because he is someone who, if he hits better, he probably will steal some bases, and those are hard to come by. Um, at twelve team league, I don't know. I just think you can really stream, and you can find hitters who have eight game weeks or good favorable seven game weeks and things like that. And and you need the roster spots to do that. And I can't hold guys like Grisham and scope unless I'm going to use them. Yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, The guy that is going well right now, Carlos Rodon, you think he should be one of the most traded players in the next month. Why? 
I do. Um, and maybe this is silly, but uh, like, so the upside of Rodon is the Cy Young award, right? Like he, he's a mm-hmm. legit chance to win the Cy Young award this year. I'd say if you're going to pick five NL pitchers, the best chances to win the Cy Young award right now, he's on that list for sure. But the injury history is so great. Uh, the downside of him obviously is, is that he misses a significant chunk of time because that's what happens to him most seasons. I just think that, so people who drafted Rodon didn't draft him as their ACE. Right, he was kind of like a round eight type pick. He's, uh, I think, he was sooner than that. Uh, well, maybe, I guess maybe in the main event. Yeah, yeah, I guess it depends whether we're talking like main event late in draft season when all those starting pitchers got pushed way up, or if it's, uh, or if it's more like draft season as a whole. Um, but but whatever, where I was going with that with him, um, let's say he's your number three starter. Like you, sorry, he was drafted as your number three starter, and your other starters are going fine you can get so you could get so much for Rodon right now. Like you could get a, like oh, a yeah. super stud hitter for him right now. And for some teams, just like how I said that for a few teams in your league, bidding on George Kirby makes sense for a few teams in your league, paying up for Rodon makes sense. Cause there's going to be some team in your league that has 60 hitting points and 30 pitching points and trading a really great hitter for Rodon makes a lot of sense. And then if you're that person who needs him, you're just cross your fingers that he stays healthy all year, but there's going to be people out there who have Garrett Cole and another good starter. They took in round five who's turned out well and Rodon's are number three. And they think, you know what? I can get rid of this injury risk and trade Rodon right now for a round two, a round three type hitter. Okay. So for example, Teoscar Hernandez just came back from the IL Carlos Rodon for Teoscar Hannes. Does that feel like a fair one-for-one trade? Yeah, it feels, feels in the ballpark. Yeah. I was looking at his, his ADP and looking specifically at the main event ADP where he was on average pick 75, but a range of 49 to 88. So I was looking at hitters right around him and like, who says no? So I was going to bring up Jazz Chisholm, uh, but Jazz Chisholm's killing it this year. He is. Yeah. He's in 300. He's got five homers, 21 RBI, 16 runs, and six stolen bases. I don't trade Chaz Chisholm for Radon. I mean, I I hold on to Chisholm. Yeah, there's a swap, though, that could make sense in the sense that the Chisholm owner may have great hitting numbers right now because Chisholm was like their fourth hitter they drafted, fourth Mm -hmm. or fifth hitter they drafted. So, you know, the Chisholm owner could have great hitting numbers. The Radon owner has great pitching numbers. Maybe maybe that swap makes sense. uh, Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit there, but... Uh, Austin Riley was drafted right around him, hitting 243, but seven homers so far. Eh, I'd want more for Rodon, I think. I think so too. I think I so think too. you can get more. Yeah. So uh, I just think he could be one of the most traded players because there's going to be Rodon teams who need him. Like the pitchers they drafted earlier than Rodon haven't turned out. He's become their ace and they need him. Right. They're going to be Rodon teams where the other pitchers have turned out because so many pitchers are pitching well. And they're winning ERA and they're winning whip and they're winning strikeouts. And out of the pitchers they have, he's probably the riskiest one as far as his ability to just give you five more months. So he might be the one who it makes sense to trade for a hitter. And then, as I said, there's going to be teams just like how there's teams who need to just cross your fingers and close their eyes and bid big on George Kirby. There's going to be teams where you're like, Hey, I'll take Rodon and hope that I get five months on his way to a Cy Young award. And this is the season where he stays healthy and puts it all together. Yeah. George Springer for Rodon. Is that enough? Yep. I think that feels fair because Springer's off to a good start. 
Yeah. I feel like Springer actually I just feel like had Springer, a homer today to make it seven, by the way, for him. Okay. Yeah. I feel, I, for example, even though Teoscar Hernandez went a lot higher than Springer, I feel like they're not that much different as far as their Teoscar will chip in a few more steals than Springer. Other than that, I think they're pretty similar players. So there's not, and Springer's a bit of an injury risk too. So yeah, that feels, feels about right. And again, in your league, you're not going to have everybody at your disposal because there's going to be like, it's easy to figure out who you should trade Rodon to. Just look at your hitting and pitching standings. Find the person who's got 30 more hitting points than pitching mm-hmm. points and offer them road to see who they have. If they've got Springer, that might be your fit. If they've got Teoscar, that might be your fit. Like if they have it, what about it for Aaron judge? He's off to a great start. You think that's too much? I think he's off to too good of a start. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that wh- whoever is the Aaron judge manager probably made a point of getting him too. right. You don't settle right. for Aaron judge. He's one right. of those people that I wouldn't say reach for because I don't think it was really too soon, but you, you target, you go after. Uh, so they'll probably say no, as be my guess, it's especially when, when powers. I mean, I understand if you have judge, you're probably doing well in power, but it's probably too soon to trade away power. Also, that's the tricky part about early trades. You know, you can't, ha- you can't, you don't have enough time to build up too much of a surplus yet. That's right. That's right. The person who would want to make the early trade would actually be the one who's falling behind in something and is afraid that if they don't make the move now, they like they'll fall too far far behind. They won't catch up. Like, for example, my team in labor and steals, like if I don't get if Whit Merrifield doesn't get going or some something doesn't happen, I don't make a move or sign trade or sorry, trade or or grab a free agent who helps in that category. Like I I run the risk of falling way behind and then I just can't catch up. So. That would be with Rodon, it would be finding the person whose ratios are starting to fall way behind or in strikeouts are falling way behind. Um, so it would be like if the person who owned Judge is falling way behind in pitching and is like, well, I got to do something grass- drastic. Like I have to look for a saver, just adding like a good, like a Jordan Montgomery, like a solid, you know, pitcher. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to really move the needle. I need to find someone who's maybe going to be amazing for me. Yeah, that's right. Um, trying to see if I can find something here with uh, that we can work together here. Maybe I can trade you some steals for something else. I, <laughs> yeah, I got Bobby Witt. I've got uh, five out of Tucker. At least he's doing one thing right. Um, yep. eh, Tucker's been know. a little better. He has been a little bit better. I just don't see any. I, I don't have the players that I have. Like I'm not going to trade Bobby Witt. I'm not looking to trade him yet. Right. Uh, so I, I don't really have them to spare, even though I've got 21 stolen bases so far. Uh, I do have 15 saves. I do have that going for me. Even with Robertson now on the COVID IR, I've got six out of class A. I've got six out of Gallegos. That's worked out okay still. Despite my uh, immediate jinxing of uh, Gallegos, he's bounced back since then. He has. You might be able to build up a good saves lead and then uh, and then trade one of them. I know we talked about trading one at one point. The problem with my team is actually all my resources are in hitting, and all my points are in pitching. So, so yeah. I don't have a lot of big name <laughs> pitchers. I don't have a lot of big name pitchers to trade. My first starter I drafted was Chris Sale, so I don't have I don't have like ace type pitchers to trade for an impact hitter. But even though I'm low in the hitting standings. Um, but my pitching's actually done well. It just hasn't done well with big name type guys who, who fetch you a lot in return. Yeah. You have 44 homers though. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have 44 homers. I have considerably fewer. I have 26. Eey, oh, wow. That's really bad. Yeah. I wonder I'm not doing wow. so well in that league. Um, yeah. Well, my 
you know, when you brag about having Dylan Carlson in every league and he's got one homer and one stolen base so far, that's probably not good. Uh, got a lot of that action there. Trey Mancini's at one homer and zero, zero. I don't expect the stolen bases, but one homer. That's not good from your first baseman. Uh, yeah, it could be better. Could be better. Oh, well. Um, all right. It's not about labor. Even though we like to talk about labor and that's it's helpful at times. We should move on. Uh you asked, should be should we worry about Liam Hendricks after his blown save last night? And I'm emphatically saying no on this one here. Uh, first of all, when he came, he you know he, he's been used a lot for recently. He uh, had five saves last week alone. Uh, he pitched, you know, remember how he he missed like five or six days after uh, that giving up that homer to uh, Buxton had a bad back and then came back had six straight scoreless inning outings, six hitless outings for that matter, just two walks. He just doesn't do as well when he's inserted in the middle of a jam. I, I, that's the way I look at it there. I just, he needs to start an inning. Uh, maybe he just needs to warm up properly or, you know, something of that nature. At least that's the case so far this year. I'm not worried. He, he was great for the last week before that. I think he's just, he was used like five out of six days. So you said you were not worried, and then you actually named the exact reason why I might be just a little bit worried, and it has nothing to do with poor Liam Hendricks. It's that it's Tony La Russa, and it's that he pitched May 2nd, May 3rd, May 4th. Yep. He got May 5th off, and then he pitched May 6th and May 7th, and then he got May 8th off, and then he pitched May 9th and had the blown save. Um, that would be my only concern, is that he gets used. He's We know he's got a – he had a little bit of a back injury – um, yeah. And then he gets used like so aggressively by La Russa and he just like, I have lent Hendricks in a lot of my draft and holds and I would have happily like given up one of those saves, probably the May 4th one when he came out for the third day in a row, I would have probably given up one of those saves just for him maybe to get a little more rest. So right. yeah, that's let's my be honest. Favorite. You yeah. wanted him coming in for that save chance, didn't you? Yeah, I, I, oh, it's a save opportunity. Bring him in. I need to get that save. I don't know. I have Araldis Chapman in some leagues. I know he's someone you were wary of. And yeah. if he's pitched a if he's pitched a day or two in a row, um, I, like I'm kind of okay if the Yankees just give one save to some other guy. I'm kind of just I just want my thirty well, saves yeah, happen over the long haul. You know that they're going to get copious save chances over the course of the season too. That's yeah, the, the White Sox that... should too. They're not off. Yeah, to they, start, they should. But... Yeah, yeah I, I just I don't worry about Liam Hendricks getting me 35 ish saves. So that would be mm-hmm. my only concern is that we already know there was a bit of a back issue and LaRusse uses him so aggressively. There, there's nothing actionable there, though. I wouldn't trade him because of that. He, he's a stud closer. I kind of wish I had drafted Josh Hader instead of him. Uh, when I had the opportunity, I, I always took Hendricks. Um, Did you? Maybe okay. I'll change my mind by the end of the year. All right. Um, related. Josh Naylor is who did him in. Josh Naylor had eight RBI yesterday, all like eighth inning or later. Uh, but he's playing a lot. Uh, yes. And you ask, should he be a set it or forget it guy? And it's a good question because I know Todd Zola, a 15-teamer, did not have him active this week. He put in Ramon Laureano in his nine games instead right. for Naylor. And, you know, talk about immediate retribution there. But, uh, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you answer your own question on this one because I'm not sure what the answer is. I think he's pretty close, like to being a fan yeah. fifteen. I think he's pretty close to being a set and forget it. And I, I fairly high on Naylor. I have him in some spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I 
he's he's obviously going to cool off from he's hitting 338 but but right. his bat is 345 like it's that's high but it's not ridiculously high like he's going to cool off but i think he can continue to be effective uh he's not going to steal you bases but i think the power can be respectable i think the batting average can be helpful i think in a 15 team league other than like you know a monday to thursday where he only has two games other than that i think he's pretty much i said it and forget it like if todd didn't have men i'm just going to assume that maybe todd's got a really loaded lineup and, and Todd's off to a good start in that league. I'll give him credit for that. Yeah. Um, so either, well, I, I mean, obviously he regrets not having him in now. We got eight RBIs. <laughs> right. So, and two homers. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, I, I mentioned in our show notes some guys like Bobby Witt and Josh Donaldson, guys who don't have eight RBIs this season. And he right. and Josh Naylor got them for you in one night. So uh, he's someone who I have some shares of and probably wish I had some more. Uh, sure. And it was actually similar to the Stephen Kwan theory, just that playing time was readily available there in the Indians outfield. And I felt like the skill set was at least decent. Also Josh yeah. Naylor being Canadian. Oh, That's I did not know that. Oh, from Mississauga. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that just doesn't change. The Which for most people listening is right beside Toronto. Yeah. I guess I, I don't think have said that... that is so people would know that. Right. Um, and you know, we, we see uh, Frank says that he's been around for four years. I think it's less than that. And remember he was hurt. Uh, you know, That's he, it, he, yeah. He was hurt. Uh, you know, so I, I think, yeah, you look at him. Yeah. He came over and he was, I guess it is four years since 2019. Um, question is asked, you know, him versus Juan Yepes. I like you. I like, I think I'm going to go Naylor over Yepes. It's close. I think, it, it, I think it's really close. I agree that it's close. I'm also going Naylor. I think Naylor has, uh, I think Yepes, I think you're right that Yepes can stay in the lineup all, like the rest of the way. That could happen, but I think I'll give Naylor a better chance. I think it's kind of like do or die time for Naylor in their lineup. Yeah. Like I think it's time to really see. He was a big part of that trade with the Padres. So I, like they really wanted him and his rookie year numbers with the Padres in 2019 were decent. Like 719 OPS isn't great, but like for a rookie, that's fine. Like you're holding your own. Um, right. And he's a pretty young rookie. He's 22. So like, I think that's fine. And then, yeah, he's had injury trouble since then. Uh, 2020 was a shortened season. Last year, he wasn't awful, but a 700 OPS. Like, he wasn't awful, but wasn't good. I, I don't know. I think he's got maybe just enough experience now that he could be ready to to at least take off to a small degree. 13.7% K percentage this year. Yeah. Over his career, it's a little higher. It's 18.6%, but a lot of that is in his rookie year when he was at 23% with the Padres. So it's gotten better. He makes contact is the, is the point. In today's era, 17%, not bad. 13% yep. is actually good. Uh, so there, there's some things in set, uh, to be spoke in favor of him. Uh, I think he gets a first and outfield eligibility. Got to double check on that. Last year he was is. outfield, and now it, he's had 13 games at first this year. So first and third it is. So that's pretty nice, too, um, for him. And if he bats fifth or sixth in that lineup on a regular basis, Cleveland sneakily is not a bad lineup. Uh, they've, they've been scoring yep. some runs, making some contact. So not bad. Uh, one more question before we sign off. Uh, ask, nobody else has asked this all again. Is Javi Baez a hold or a drop? I think he's a hold. Um, I think he's a streaky hitter. And he's a known quantity. In fact, it's an acquire. I would, I would go one step farther and say I would target him. Weather's warming up. We know who Javi Baez is, right? Yeah, I, th- I think you could acquire him for sure. Um, and he's been bad, but not awful. Like in this offensive environment, 
his o- his OPS is 666, so that's bad for sure. Uh, yep. His BABIP his BABIP's lower than it usually is. He's usually mm-hmm. a bit of a high, not a super high, but a bit of a high higher than average BABIP guy. Um, these guys like Baez, we know they don't walk much. Although he has improved a little bit in that area in his career, but they don't walk much. Uh, so they live and die by their bat by getting on base, like, sorry, by getting right. on base with their bat by their batting average. And so when it's low, you don't get the steals because they don't walk to first base very often. Um, right. and it's kind of just a big pile of nothing, but I agree with you. I think we do know who he is. I think he will turn it around. I guess if someone has some of that, like first year on a new team with a new contract worries, I guess you could go in that direction and not buy in on, on buying low on him, but yeah, he could be an interesting guy to try to buy low on. If you're looking for like a power speed mix, you know, who's underachieving right now. Yep. I think so. I think Detroit's full of them. Uh, those, yes. those type of guys, uh, they, and they're just, they're really struggling offensively still so far, but and just struggling. Generally speaking, a disappointing team, but you know, Detroit is like, you know, it's, it's a terrible place to hit in April. And in early yep. May. So I, yep. I think they're going to be a team that is going to have some better hitters over the course of the season. They have to figure out how to get off to better starts though, for sure. All right. Thanks for all the questions, guys. Uh, we're going to close top it off at this here. Uh, Fred, anything else, anything else you want to point out that you're working on right now? Uh, let's see. I've got a bunch of articles coming out. Uh, trade tips article coming out tomorrow. Some players to trade for or trade away. Um, one coming out Thursday on the unluckiest players in baseball so far this season. Uh, some of which we already talked about tonight. And a waiver wire article coming out on Friday. So a busy week for me. Beautiful. I look forward to it there. And uh, yeah, uh, by the way, ep- ep- epigraph on uh, this, uh, the hobby bias discussion. He would flip. Jer- Frank says he'd flip Jeremy Pena for him. Absolutely. Good idea. Oh, yeah. Try to do yep. that. See if you can work that work that out. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Good luck in your leagues. Uh, on Thursday, we're going to have Mike Potterzer finally from Fangrass. We're going to talk about his tout and labor starts and just the general outlook on the season so far. Thanks everybody for listening. Tune in for James and the Prospect Podcast tomorrow. Take care.